Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with former NFL quarterback, Quincy Carter. Thanks for coming on the show, Quincy. Oh, thank you, buddy, man. Thanks for having me, too. Yeah, really glad to have you here, man. I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy, and I'd really like to hop right in here and ask a little bit about what was going on before you got sober. So what did life look like? Can you tell me where your addiction started or where you think it started? Yeah, you know something, Jonathan, man, I, you know, one of the beautiful things about recovery uh, is getting through the, you know, the hard parts and the difficult parts that you really got, you know, to go back and look at and uh, do some work around it. Um, but man, I, you know, I really uh, can pinpoint me smoking weed in that parking lot when I was 16 years old, me and my buddies was having a drink-a-thon. Uh, I tend to call it now by, you know, talking about it. And we were down in some 40s. Uh, we had some weed. I first, first of all, I, I um, drunk a whole 40. We just uh, shotgunned it or whatever you want to call it. And I drunk one and then I started on my second one. And uh, and I threw I ended up throwing up, but uh, but we had the weed with us too, so we smoked you know we smoked the weed afterwards, and I can never forget that feeling. Mm. And man, as you know, as time went along, I you know left the house uh, right after high school and uh, headed to pro, play pro baseball, and I never forget that time where I got really you know depressed and was just you know away from home for the first time ever, man. And that's when you know I started coping with weed with just kind of letting the time pass by. And then also, cause I was ready to get back home. You know, I started off hot in the yeah. minor leagues. And then after about two or three weeks, man, I just, you know, just home, just being homesick hit me. And I used marijuana to cope with that. So I, it, it really, really started there. You know, I tinkled mm -hmm. with it here and there in high sure. school, but it was never, you know, an everyday thing. But, you know, that one experience reminded me of what I could go back to and then, uh, while I was playing baseball, man, uh, for the first time uh, at 18 years old, man, that's when uh, that's when things really started to pick up for me. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have a, a really incredible uh, career and, and I, I'm just going to say like a lifetime as an athlete, which is really awesome. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But, you know, I, man, I was I was the biggest pothead. So I like I I feel you on the weed. And I think for me, yeah, like, you know, I, I drank here and there, but it was really for me, like I always say, high school was weed school. It was all about weed, like where to get the yeah. best weed, how to grow weed, all that stuff. So, you know, I know like for me and a lot of guests I've had on the show, when they talk about that, that first moment that they can really 
recall or remember that like kind of jumping off point. I know that I just felt like, man, this is a good fit. Like hit hitting this right here is a good fit. I can be myself. Did you feel any of that? Like that first time, did you feel like, okay, you're like, yeah, this is, this will probably work for me or anything like that. I did. And, and looking back hindsight, uh, it was that drunk feeling I had. And then when I hit the marijuana, everything just evened out and uh, and kind of, you know, smoothed off everything, man. And I never forget that feeling right there mm. and that high. And I yeah. guess, you know, like they say, you know, a lot of people say this. And uh, when you really think about it, it's true. It's almost like you're chasing that same high, you know, uh, every time else you get high. So, uh that was that moment for me, man. And that was that feeling for me that I felt that, uh, that eventually I kept chasing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I get that now. So walk me through this because you get drafted by the Cubs, right? Yep. And, and so you go off to play ball and yeah, I appreciate that, that insight. You know, you said that you go off, you're a little bit homesick and this is when you start using weed to kind of cope. So what, what was going on there? I mean, it sounds like this was kind of like the next steps that accelerated things a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm a mama's boy and I'm not, I'm not scared to admit that. And I'm my only child too, at the same time. So yep. being away right from here. my mom, right here. Man, oh, wow. <laughs> Welcome to the club too. <laughs> but, uh, but being away from my mom, man, was, uh, it was, it, it, it was devastating for me, man. And so I really missed her. I missed home. You know, I had a great time in high school, man. We ended up winning the state championship. So we had some great times. And just all of a sudden, I'm away from my friends, you know. Uh, so I really missed that, man. And so uh, marijuana became my coping mechanism to get through some, you know, some tough times that I was going through mentally. And uh, so, you know, I ended up quitting baseball after a couple years and uh, going back to the University of Georgia. I originally signed with Georgia Tech, but they had a quarterback there who was entrenched uh, there as a starter for a couple of years and doing a great job as far as being the starter. So I ended up going to the University of Georgia. Uh, and uh, honestly, man, my freshman year, I can only recount about two or three times that I actually smoked weed. And that's simply because, you know, uh, everything was new to me. I was happy. You know, I was excited. And... Uh, and, you know, it was no need for me to, you know, add weed into the repertoire or whatever or my routine. So I didn't really smoke um, much my freshman year. Now, I did, I did drink a little bit, you know, with some buddies. Sure. Um, you know, drinking was, you know, in the picture. Uh, but it wasn't one of those things where, you know, I was going back to the bottle. Or I was smoking on an everyday basis. And then I, I really, you know, really looking back at it, man, my sophomore year, when things kind of started to pick up for me a little bit was really after we lost a game uh, early in the season of Tennessee. Uh, no, I'm sorry. After we lost to South Carolina, actually, which was the second game of the year. Tennessee was my first time I smoked my freshman year. But anyway, and we lost that game. And, uh, and I pretty much smoked the rest of the season. It was the pressure, you know, of, uh, of uh, actually, you know, playing. Uh, trying to live up to Heisman um, expectations from the school and everything. And so, and I really started to feel that a little bit. And, uh, and that's when I think, you know, for the first time, 
you know, I can really feel my anxiety picking up a little bit and me using those coping mechanisms, coping mechanisms to, uh, you know, to deal with what I was going through. So uh, some things kind of progressed there my sophomore year, my junior year, you know, I kind of, um, I kind of had a pretty good off season where I wasn't smoking as much, but as soon as we lost the game, uh, and actually it was South Carolina my junior year. It wasn't okay. South Carolina my sophomore year. It was South yeah. Carolina junior year, and that's when um, uh, that's when smoking really picked up for me again. Uh, so really, man, it was after you know key losses, uh, me feeling anxiety, and things just really just kind of you know. Um, kind of picked up for me as far as me trying to deal with you know everything I was dealing with in my life so uh so that's kind of how college went back and forth sure. on and off and uh, of course you know I had drinking in there a little bit too okay got it yeah no man and, and you have a pretty legendary career uh you know <laughs> I know that uh I was reading I didn't know this but I remember from the song even though it, it's like a throwback now uh, Gucci man and, and trap house <laughs> he, he even called you out uh, you know which which is kind of cool so uh, so a pretty amazing career and, and then at some point you get drafted right um, you get drafted by the Cowboys right okay and, and so man I, I think that I read like you got a pretty fat signing bonus right I mean I, I think I think they were paying you pretty well I'm just curious, like, was that another moment where like everything was kind of cool and you weren't really smoking anymore? Or what, what was going on with the drug use and the drinking around the time that you got drafted? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Here's another time, Jonathan. After the season, my junior year, I, I decided to enter the NFL draft. And um, I knew I had a lot to prove. I only played six games that year, as oh, wow. a matter of fact, my junior year, yeah. because I broke my thumb. Mm. Um and so, you know, that was another time where I just, for three months, man, I said I wasn't going to be smoking or anything, and I stayed focused on that. Uh, <clears throat> funny thing, Jonathan, uh, I want to say about a week before the, uh, the NFL combine yeah. is when I ended up, you know, uh, I ended up smoking a little weed just wow. to kind of take the edge yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. And here I am, seven, eight days. I never, uh, I had this anti uh, uh, de detoxification. Yeah, detox, uh, right. Yeah, and I took it for seven days, and you drink a gallon and a half water with it and everything. And I was literally doing that hmm. right before the NFL combine, yeah. which is the craziest thing. So that's what I'm telling you, man. It's a beautiful thing to really look back on where you started making your mistakes and kind of, you know, I had addict. Um, you know, uh, ideas and motives and actions long, long time ago, I just could never see really the signs. And so, yeah, man, I ended up smoking. And it was only like one day, Jonathan, but I knew I had to clean up, you know. So, um, but after the draft, I get drafted or whatever. And then that's kind of when things, you know, started to pick back up for me, doing a little partying, you know, happy about being drafted and everything, which, you know, uh, that's understandable, but I realized, I didn't realize at the time I had a bigger problem than I thought I had. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I did that about, you know, pretty much leading up until the season, to be honest with you and, uh, end up getting hurt. My, uh, my second game of the year, 
I tore my hamstring. I had to have surgery on my birthday. How about that? It's wow. a, listen, man, it, I've had some some memorable birthdays that is just legendary. I've been arrested twice on my birthday. Oh, man. I've had surgery on my birthday. <laughs> listen, this year, this year on my birthday, Jonathan, I literally was on a, a, a Zoom conference call with child support, paying off some child support. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> We might need to skip the birthday this year. <laughs> I know, right? You know, this just passed. This was October 13th. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so, uh, so you know, uh, but I, I ended up having surgery, came back the last six games of my, uh, of my rookie year, man, and we ended up finishing, I think, three and three, had a decent year, but, you know, smoking and uh, drinking was still, you know, uh, not a big, major part but it still played a part into my rookie year though okay yeah i've got to ask man you know because i'm i'm uh no professional athlete like how do you balance that with getting high i mean how how does that work i i know now like there's a lot of guys coming out that are in the nfl that that smoke weed all the time it's almost like you know every everyone just just knows it's kind of what people are doing especially in the states you know, where it's legal, but like, how do you balance that? Like in my mind, it's just too, to, the last thing I wanted to go do was run or work out or any of that when I was smoking weed. So how do you balance that? Listen, Jonathan, when I hear people say in the rooms uh, and when they say, you know, literally, if you want to go do some research, go back out there and get your butt kicked. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you this, when I think about this, I was literally doing research to see how much I can smoke, how much I can smoke and watch film and retain information. Oh, wow. Yeah. How much I can smoke, Jonathan, and literally go to my workouts and run and see if I how winded I was. Uh, so these are the crazy things that I was doing, wow. you know, to try to say, oh, okay, we can do it, try to accept the fact that I can do this and still and still play football. So when you think about some of those things, man, it's some of the craziest things. But Jonathan, in hindsight, man, to be honest with you, I could literally watch a film and see the weeks that I wasn't smoking and then I was smoking. And I was two different players, my reactions and everything else. So uh, so those are the crazy kind of balancing acts uh, I thought I was, you know, uh, trying to do and get away with and yeah. try to improve my game. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, but I think it makes sense, right? Because whether you're in the NFL or not, I think you pointed out a couple of things that I know I did, and I'm sure our listeners and the people watching can can relate to, and that's that uh, self-sabotage, yep. right? Like the kind of like the days leading up to the draft where, you know, it's your life is on the line, you know, your future's on the line, and we get this bright idea that like, hey, I'm going to go, you know, and then the kind of like testing the testing the waters a little bit yeah. to see like what we can get away with. And I'm sure, I mean, if it were me and I'm getting ready to go out on the field, I'm probably thinking that, well, if I smoke a little weed, it like loosens me up a little bit. Like I'll probably be able to move around a, a little bit more, you know, like uh, <laughs> who knows? I mean, we tell ourselves these crazy things. Though, right? Crazy, crazy things, man. Yeah. It's sad. So, 
I, I do need to ask, man, like, you know, I, I've heard a lot of rumors about Dallas Cowboys over the years. Does this just stick with weed or, or do we ever move on to any other drugs over the years? Well, yeah, man, you know, uh, it was weed and alcohol for me at first. And uh, I started tinkering around with X pills around 03, 04 in the off season. Um, yeah, I never did them during the season or whatever, but the year I got cut in 04, uh, I failed my drug test for marijuana. I kind of got the, the stigma of the cocaine thing from all the years past. But uh, but in 05, I didn't sign either with a team. Um, in 06, man, that's when my, you know, pill addiction with, uh, with X-Pills really just took off. Hmm. And then I found out I could really drink heavily um, like a fish. And man, that's when man, my drinking took off to another level. And you know, we almost was kind of starting to take a little back door, and we was just really just to, you know, kind of calm everything down, to sure, be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. So I, I went on like that for years, Jonathan. And then in 2015, uh, I went to rehab up in Michigan, this concussion protocol rehab through the NFL. I ended up staying and trying to uh go live with my dad in Chicago. And we didn't hit it off too well. You know, I didn't grow up with him, but I wanted some kind of geographical change uh, to say I can do this somewhere else or something like that. And we ended up getting into it because I wanted to borrow some money from him. And he just knew I was getting the itch to get back out there. So he didn't do that. So we got into an argument. I uh, forced my way over one of my cousin's house and I just ran into cocaine heaven. And uh, never forget the first day I was at her house because she let me live with her for a few months. And, um, and we started doing cocaine together, man. And it just hit like this, man. And uh, it took a while for me to even, man, it might have been three, four years, Jonathan, before I even picked up an uh, pill again. Uh, so, yeah, I graduated. I ended up, you know, graduating to cocaine. And doing that, but uh, but during my playing times, it was you know smoking and drinking. And like I said, around that 0304 period, I started tinkering around with X pills, but it wasn't heavy, heavy until after I got cut, and then I just took off. Okay, got it. And so, what's going on with with the football during all this? Because I know at one point, like you play some arena ball, you go up yeah. and play in Canada. So you're you're still just like, I mean, what? Obviously, the drugs are are getting in the way of all this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, honestly, Jonathan, uh, 07, uh, I went down to play in Shreveport. Yeah. Uh, I got kind of, I got kind of promised a few things, but I, Jonathan, I was so miserable, mm -hmm. uh, looking back on my life, seeing where I was just two years ago. And I couldn't allow myself to even give myself a chance, you know, to really get back in the NFL. And I really got caught up in the lifestyle of playing in the arena, uh, in the arena league. You don't practice to about four or five o'clock is like perfect for an addict like mm -hmm. myself. You out all night, you sleep all day. And I fell into that routine, Jonathan, uh, end up getting suspended for four games. I literally, uh, went and party one night was supposed to be at practice told coach that I was sick. They come knocking on the door and I don't even answer the door end up getting suspended four games, uh, tried to justify it, actually, if you can believe that. So, but arena ball just became a big party to me. Uh, actually, 
I signed up in uh, Kansas City Brigade in 08 and had actually an opportunity to go play for the Dolphins, but I couldn't stop using. Bill Parcells actually came and gave me a workout, but I couldn't stop using, man. And so when I went to go do the uh, physical part um, of my workout, you know, I literally put hot water in the cup because I couldn't piss in a cup, you know, but I had a great workout. Bill Parcells told me to go back to the uh, – the hotel, we're going to sign you. But then when they started checking their records and everything and checking back at the drug test, he said, I can't even test the test. So I know he's been doing something. Then wow. in 09, there was another big party out in Abilene. Um, and I ended up uh, fracturing my, my back, my, my L3 in my back. And uh, I had to make a decision after resting for about uh, four months. I mean, I'm sorry, four or five weeks, whether or not to play a playoff game. And so, man, I decided not to play. And um, and that's, you know, kind of where that season ended. It is seven years later, Jonathan. I'm up in Pennsylvania. I'm getting clean out of rehab. We have our phones with us, which is the worst. And so a guy calls me about having uh, playing some football in Corpus Christi. And I swear to God, I forgot about my back because I wasn't doing no work and really working on me. Yeah. I was just there to go rest up for a little while, you know, and uh, take a little break from life and get right back out of there. Mm-hmm. And I had the great idea after seven years to go play some uh, arena football, end up getting down there. We only played about uh, three games. I was staying at a hotel with this um owner who had all this money. So I'm staying at a hotel for months and not even having a sense of mind to think that I'm not even actually playing a football season. I'm running around town partying. It was the craziest thing ever, man. But, um, wow. Well, so in in 20, yeah. So you said in 2015, uh, you you go to treatment, not ready, uh, uh get introduced to cocaine. So, so moving forward a, a few years here, I mean, what is, what is the real turning point for you? Like, when do you become, when do you become more ready, more, more willing to, to do something about all this? Yeah. I, you know, uh, two, 2017, man, I, I thought was a great attempt for me to get sober. And, uh, and I put together uh, about 10 months. Exactly. Okay. okay. Uh, Jonathan, I ran into some money. Um, cause I borrowed it, you know, I borrowed some money and, um, and I ran into some money and Jonathan, it took me about a week to move back down to South Texas where I was living at previously, uh, from that arena ball, you know, team or whatever, and yeah. moved back down there, Jonathan. And, uh, and my addiction, man, just took off on me again. You know, uh, it took me about a week to leave, leave LA cause I was in Malibu, uh, doing, uh, some sober living out there. And it took me about a week, man, and I was off back to the races. Uh, and we're talking, uh, Jonathan, literally, a, what, 2008, November 2018? That No, 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 November 2017, that was, through 18. And in July of last year, 2019, Jonathan, man, I, you know, me and my uh, ex-girlfriend went to a party. It was the Pacquiao and Thurman fight. And uh, we went there, and at 4 o'clock in the morning, Jonathan, we went to the party together. At 4 o'clock in the morning, I was calling her to pick me up. I have no recollect of when she left, uh, left the party. I've got the stories or whatever. Uh, And uh, I woke up that morning, man, and we got into a little argument or whatever. 
Uh, and I was getting ready to go back on the same cycle, man, uh, that day, you know, trying to get myself, you know, yeah. uh, a little bit uh, leveled off with drinking and coke and weed a little bit. And, man, with us arguing everything, man, I just bust out into tears, man. And um, and I was just praying out to God and said, I can't do this no more, man. Mm. And I gave uh, Hollywood Henderson a call and let him know. <coughs> That, man you gotta come uh you gotta come get me man before i end up killing myself man and so you know hollywood made a phone call to marcia stone over at brc and within five hours man they were down there to pick me up and uh and man to be honest with you uh that day really turned things around for me but uh but the work jonathan man that i'm doing on a constant basis to keep my spirit right and my recovery has not been easy or um you know a, a cruise at all uh but one one constant thing man is i've made a decision you know to surrender to this program and to surrender to god and let god do the things that i can't do for myself so i think that's been really key uh you know i got some men around me like hollywood and anthony so they hear this right now with me even trying to give myself a little bit of credit they'll tell me i'm full of you know what <laughs> right so but but uh but they keep me in check man but uh but those are you know that those are the things man i've been able to really you know uh, hone in on and look at my life man with you know with some other things that i'm doing too that's helping that's really didn't help me out these last 16 months yeah, that, that's awesome, man. And so, you know, one thing I did want to ask, because you, you did say that you got into some other drugs, but, you know, it sounds like, again, we're similar in the sense that weed was kind of always present. And I've mm -hmm. definitely heard a lot of people, you know, in recovery, even from, you know, when I went to treatment, uh, people in recovery saying, like, it's just weed. You know, mm -hmm. like not not really a, a big deal. Um, I, I'm just curious, like knowing your own story and maybe seeing some some other people's stories too. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Man, I I think any mind altering drug is uh, is dangerous. You know, uh, I don't like to put everybody in the addict uh, category. Sure, you know, because yeah. everybody, you know, they've got their own experiences. Uh, but anything that's going to change your mind and put you in another state. Uh, you know, you got to be careful of because, you know, you may, you know, become that addict that uh, that I eventually became. Uh, I'm not all that, uh, I don't get all that scientific with it as far as, you know, saying it's a gene that you have in you right, right. or it's something that's built up over time. But sure. I mean, you, you can literally look at my story and see where, uh, where I was smoking and it was, you know, casual fun. But then eventually I used that casual fun uh, of smoking for coping mechanisms as my life went along. Mm. And then when the weed wasn't good enough, then it was pills. When the pills weren't good enough, then it was cocaine. And now we just got a whole cluster, uh, you know what, and a whole mess. And then everything just goes snowballing downhill. So, you know, those are the chances you take. You know, when you, you know, put a mind altering uh, chemical in your, in your body like marijuana and marijuana can be very tricky. And then, the, you know, the other thing now, you know, Jonathan, man, what we're facing right now, this is not even regular weed they're growing. Oh, they're, literally, yeah, they're, literally, they're in the weed business of making money. So yeah. they're going to make the most addictive yeah. chemical based 
marijuana you've ever even tasted. And we don't even get the same munchies, you know, off this marijuana that we did when mm-hmm. I was growing up. So yeah, uh, so it's a different ball game out there now. Oh man, I I know. Like I saw like a video of like what they do now, like. And I mean, it's, it's crazy, man. It's like a science experiment. I was like, this doesn't even look like weed. I mean, what? Yeah, dude, this is pretty different, but yeah, I, I mean, I was just curious about, and I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, you know, I'm in the camp that uh, it, it's no matter what, it's a mind altering substance. And, and I think that also, uh, you know, like I kind of, I, I was definitely one of those people that said like, it's not a gateway drug. Like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but <laughs> When I look back at my own story, it was like, man, step one, weed. Step two, cocaine. You know, it was the gateway to everything else. Yeah. So, so and not not like it will be for for everyone, like you're saying, but um, I, I think we have a shared experience in that, it sounds like. Yeah, um, but yeah. So uh, you know, the way that we got connected um was that I actually saw that that you were at another uh, inpatient facility doing some speaking. Why do you feel like doing things like that is important? Like, wh- why do you do things like that? And because when you've been through uh, what I've been through and you're able to feel and get connected with God like you never have before and you can overcome the things that I've been able to overcome and if I could, you know, just give some message or some hope to somebody who's feeling that desperation that uh, that I've been feeling for years, man, and to get some kind of solution to get to the problem, man, like I, I feel obligated to do it, to be honest with you, uh, because this was years and years of just pain and misery and guilt and shame. And uh, man, if I can do anything to help somebody get up out those feelings that I was feeling, man, I feel obligated to God to do that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes a lot of sense. I do want to ask, you know, so you, you got sober uh, in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. Early on, what, what do you feel like maybe one of the biggest things that you struggled with, like as you got going? Like, what do you think one of the biggest struggles was? Step one. <laughs> like literally, no, seriously, like yeah. literally I was uh, not seeing how bad life was for mm. me. And as crazy as that sounds, yeah. because I, I, I was able to have the opportunity of, okay, getting on the arena fo- football team. Mm-hmm. That made me feel good for a little bit, even though I was smoking weed and drinking and peeling up and all the way through it. Uh, coaching, you know, getting a job. You know, that was uh, instant gratification, going out and working out kids. So I was literally doing things that were rewarding to my soul for just a little minute and then being able to try to feel good about what I was just what I was doing, you know. Um, And so. uh, So, yeah, man, that went on, you know, for years, man. And and the other thing, you know, Jonathan, I really never you know, surrendered to this program. I heard what people were saying, you know what I mean? But I wasn't willing to take those steps and to surrender to the program, you know, and surrender to God and let him take uh, take this thing out of my hands. And I wasn't willing to make those steps. And then the other thing probably, you know, I think was probably the most thing that I wasn't doing is I wasn't willing to really look at my life 
and to really see and point that finger at myself that I was, you know, the root of all my problems, as the book says. So uh, being unwilling to do all of those things, man, just kept me out in those streets longer. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I know, you know, and, and for the, the people that are in 12 step programs that are listening. So, you know, in the first step, we're talking about powerlessness and unmanageability. Yeah, sorry and, about that. Uh, I was in a meeting the other day and always saying, I actually, I haven't heard this topic many times, but I think it's an important point and definitely um, just what you were touching on. Like one of the most important things that I've learned is that when it comes to the unmanageability I think, you know, especially for someone like you, you know, that like gets like, you know, maybe has some money in their pocket, gets like, you know, the steel playing uh, arena football, you know, doing workouts with Bill Parcells, you know, possibilities. It, you know, it's like, man, when I have money in the bank and I have a job, like, how can you tell me that things are unmanageable? <laughs> you know? And and that was me for a little while. And um and I couldn't see that I was worse off than anyone. And really at the end of the day, I think that in my mind, what the unmanageability is all about, it's like, how do I feel about this guy that I see in the mirror? Mm -hmm. Like what, what am I thinking about this guy that I'm seeing in the mirror every morning? And uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I really appreciate you uh, pointing that out and, and just mentioning the, the struggle with the first step. Cause I know, I think all of us have that, that struggle, uh, you know, for, for a period of time, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I, I do want to ask, you know, I, and I'm curious about this and not that you can mention necessarily any names or anything like that, but have you come across any other guys from the NFL, maybe veterans or maybe even guys that are still playing that have gotten sober? You know, I have, um, you know, I, I was actually uh, up at that, um, concussion uh, rehab protocol I was telling you right. about in, okay. yeah, in Michigan. And uh, to be honest with you, Jonathan, you would be surprised how many guys, you know, have been struggling for years. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you one of the biggest things Hollywood Henderson had me do is to, he, he called it coming out of the closet and uh, cause he called me a closet addict mm -hmm. and, uh, and really, you know, uh, telling my, you know, telling my testimony and telling my story and I've had a lot of friends of mine from the, you know, from various leagues or whatever, get in contact with me and want to see, you know, some of the things that I did to really, you know, start getting my life <clears throat> back on the right track. So, yeah, the numbers are staggering, man. And you'll be surprised how many guys are struggling with this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that, you know, you mentioned your injuries and that's just unfortunately comes with the territory. And of course, yeah. there's so many guys that, get hooked on pain pills and and back in the day it was just like you would go into the locker room the trainer would give you something or you'd get injected with something and you just go right back out on the field you know so this is we're talking about I mean I, I believe it because we're really talking about generations of of players you know in all, in all kinds of leagues that have been uh, you know that have kind of gone through that and if they're like I am and kind of susceptible to this addiction stuff then yeah I can see how that would how that would be a struggle. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the year you got sober, you also started a, a quarterback school for, I believe, mainly young men, right? So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I um, actually, I started a few years back, but this is really the first time uh, that I'm really entrenched living it. Uh, I've, you know, I've done a lot of traveling here over the past year, 
uh, put on quarterback camps in Florida and Georgia, Texas here. Uh, got some scheduled ones in Colorado and things of that nature. But then I also do uh, individual training too. Uh, and then I have group settings, you know, in various places. What I'm getting ready to actually put together is about six camps for next year okay. and uh, put, put together a little com a miniature little combine before our skills and seven on seven things that we're going to be doing. I have an announcement on that here at the first of the year. Uh, so, man, I, you know, I'm really entrenched in the communities everywhere. I, you know, I work out kids. Uh, from about seven all the way through college. You know, I don't like them too young where they're not conceptualizing what I'm trying to teach. And I'm um, actually just, you know, taking someone's money. I'm not into that for that business. I want to see them be able to uh, be able to conceptualize it and then apply it. Uh, but I've got some advanced seven and eight year, years old uh, kids that can do it. But, uh, but man, I'm having fun with it. You know, like I said, I'm doing a little traveling with it too. And uh, man, just really, really just trying to pour into these kids, uh, kids' lives, not, not only on the field, but off the field also. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, and I know that with the coaching I do, I can see a little relationship there between that and recovery. Do you mm -hmm. see any of that with, with these QB camps that you run and this coaching that you do? Yeah, you do. Um, but it's not a very favorable subject, uh, of course, you know, uh, yeah. but I do, I do bring it up. I don't, you know, try to accuse anybody of doing things. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, remind them of the things I've been through. You know, some of them ask questions uh, when they get too intuitive, you know, I kind of can pick up on maybe if there may be a problem there. Somebody's tinkering around with something. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm pretty open with all my athletes, man. I, you know, I really think, man, my coaches were, you know, the same way with me. They were an open book and, uh, and I feel comfortable and sharing my life with them and any way I can help them, man, I'm going to do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I would think that would be helpful because, you know, again, if you can help one of these kids kind of avoid mm -hmm. that road that you took if anything you know they're like if you're just laying out to them like hey we're not even talking about getting hooked on drugs we're talking about you having a chance to go play pro ball do exactly. you want to screw that up and that one conversation you know switches up their thinking a little bit i mean that's, uh -huh. that's a pretty amazing thing right there so um i can definitely see the relation in that so i, I want to ask you talked about you know, the importance of, of you kind of sharing your, your story or your testimony, as you put it, can you give us an idea of, of what your recovery actually looks like today? Yes, man. Every day, every morning I get up. Now, some mornings I can't go through my whole full routine, uh, but I read the third step prayer every morning, the seven step prayer in the morning, uh, 417 and acceptance and uh, step 11 too, uh, the St. Francis prayer. And so I do that. Uh, I've got a spiritual, a uh, little kind of um, godly, little daily. Um, it's almost like the Just for Today NA. And okay, I do like a meditation book. Yeah, exactly. But my mom sends them to me. And, I, and I'm drawing a blank on the exact name. But my mom sends them to me. So I would go through those readings every morning. And then I either listen to Eric Thomas or I either listen to, um, to um, listen to this Pastor John uh, John Wesley out of DC right now. Uh, so I either go through those 
I meet with my sponsor uh, once a week. If we can't meet that week, we'll meet the next week. I've got three great men in my life. I would say uh, recovery-wise, Hollywood Henderson, uh, my buddy Anthony, and then my sponsor, Skip. You know, so uh, they they hold me accountable for everything. If there's anything I'm I'm having, you know, questions about, I'm constantly calling them. Uh, and man, I you know, after I get up and have my mornings, man, I you know, I just go about my day and just let God take care of it, man. So you know, I I, I struggled with Zoom meetings for a little while, so I was able to get back into the groove of going back out to meetings. So I'm going about three or four meetings a week now. Uh, because I struggle with Zoom. I used to, I, it got so bad where I was literally turning off the camera and watching TV and trying to listen to a me. That's no, no, seriously. So, yeah. so I got, you know, I got checked real hard about it. Um, but I, but Jonathan, I, I think the, uh, another thing I didn't point out earlier, the honesty piece mm. is really helping me out. I'm not hiding anything because I know those are the pitfalls. I never forget. I start when I really, really start honing in and listening, the little pieces of honesty, they just add up to the big things. And here comes the fall. So, you know, if it's a female I ain't supposed to be messing with, or if it's uh, me oversleeping, you know, early in my recovery, trying to go to me, I'm being honest about those things and not hiding things so I can hear the messages that I need to be hearing to get back on track, man. So, I'm just staying focused. Every day hadn't been great. I still got the baby mama drama. I still dealing with my moms and everything. But man, I'm allowing my spirit to get fed and just letting God take over. So I'm able to, you know, deal with those issues a little bit better though. Hmm. Yeah, man, that's all great stuff. And Eric Thomas, awesome speaker. Yeah, uh, but su super motivation. I've listened to a lot of his stuff. He's a great speaker. But I I'm with you. You know, I think what you just pointed out that that's all great stuff but i think one of the biggest things for me and i always try to share this because it's impacting my life so much is really having like that strong start to the day because mm -hmm. i always think about you know like in a groundhog day scenario where i have two of the exact same day the day where i really prepare myself in the morning i'm, I'm likely to you know react to things a whole lot better and probably have a whole lot more successful day in my mind so exactly yeah so i'm with you on that 100 you know i think you just gave some pretty some pretty good words of wisdom there but before we wrap up i'm curious if there's maybe one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation in terms of maybe someone that's that's new or out there struggling yeah, I, I think that uh, if it's one piece that, that I really want to give, um, you know, I think you got to have patience with this thing. You know, I got off to a great, uh, a great start in my newfound uh, journey. And uh, then I hit a little roadblock, you know, where I was getting busy and not getting fed, uh, going to meetings and things like that. You know, I was in and out of town. And so, and just taking things slow and having patience. And you can't get it all back. You know, I, you know, ran into a, a couple months ago, ran into a little argument with my baby moms and my mother for the first time in a long time. Uh, but I wasn't doing the little things, you know, to really feed my spirit mm. on a consistent basis, you know. So, um, so, you know, be patient with this process, man. It's not going to you know, um, it's not going to uh, happen overnight. And you know, something so crazy. Hollywood said this to me this morning. He just say things and just leave it there. 
He said, he said, I got something for you. I said, what's up? He said, man, it took 50 years to walk in the woods. It takes 50 years to walk back. You know, so that's what he left me with today. That literally happened today, man. So, um, so yeah, man. So just be patient with the process. Yeah. That's great advice. That's really great yeah. advice. So you can connect with Quincy by visiting quincycarter17.com. Thanks again for coming on the show, Quincy. Thank you for having me, bud. I really appreciate it. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.